Hey everybody, uh, welcome to episode 201 of Divi Chat. What can Wu do for you? Uh, if you were here last week for the first time and just have just discovered our weekly live stream and podcast, then we'd like to welcome you back. We hope that you'll join us every week and be active in our live chat. We can see we've got some got Suzanne and Carlos already in the live chat. And uh, who knows, if you ask a question or make a comment, we will display it in our live feed and respond to you. Um, for our established cast of subscribers and Divi Chat devotees, thank you for supporting us each week and for being an amazing support to us through what's been the toughest times for everyone. Um, if you want to be notified about our chats each week, then please click the subscribe button. And then we'll, uh, when we publish our chat, you have the option to set yourself a reminder. And wherever you are in the world, you'll get nudged that we're about to start. Um, uh, this week, our topic is the first in a series of chats that we're going to have about the e-commerce platform um, that sli uh, slides very neatly into WordPress and Divi, and it is a plugin known as WooCommerce. Uh, we're very lucky to have our expert panel on this subject, and today we will dive down to one of the most beautiful countries in the world, to Australia and to its capital, Canberra, and to Sarah. Hi, I'm amazed that you even remember I'm from Canberra. That's very, very incredible. Uh, my name is Sarah Oates. I'm from Endure Web Studios and you can catch me at endure.com.au or Endure Web on the socials. And yes, I'm from Canberra. If you don't know where Canberra is, it's about three hours further down from Sydney. Everyone knows Sydney. We're kind of close to Sydney, but yes, we are the capital. Who knew? Indeed. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, let's get on a plane then, touch down at LAX and make our way down the 405 to a very nice part of the world. Um, did you fancy a home swap like they did in the holiday, Tim? I really could, you know, could do with a bit of, <laughs> do with that. Come with the romance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, and uh, introduce Tim. Hey, everybody. Tim Stripler here. And thank you, Mike, for uh, looking up our freeways. That was impressive. I've been on it. I've been on it. <laughs> It's been the on the five. I've been on the foot. It's the most frightening road I've ever been on. <laughs> Here's a fun fact that I didn't realize until I lived in Texas for three and a half years. But California, uh, we say the word "the" in front of highways. So when we're talking about I four hundred five Interstate four hundred five Highway, we say "the four hundred five the five. That's not like, oh, it's a U.S. thing. It's like, no, that's like a very specific California thing. Because I went to, to Texas and everyone was saying, oh, yeah, get on 35. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll get on the 35. And they're like, what? <laughs> so anyways, um, you can find me online at DiviLife.com where I have all my Divi plugins, child themes, tutorials, and layouts. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. So um, I'm Mike Devitt. I'm owner of Web Design Pro. Uh, coming to you here from Maidstone in Kent in the UK, where we create uh, online business futures with our range of WordPress solutions. And um, as we were talking about earlier, we're going to sort of start by talking about our subject. And do we need to define uh, what what Woo is, Tim? Do you think it needs a definition? I think so. I think I can yeah. handle that. Of course it does. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it, Tim. The easiest definition you'll ever have. I know, right? Uh, so for those who don't know, Woo is short for WooCommerce, and WooCommerce is uh, the most popular e-commerce platform in the world. Now, notice I didn't say plugin. It is the most popular e-commerce plugin for WordPress, but it's also the most popular 
e-commerce tool out of anything out there. So it's more popular than Shopify. It's more popular than uh, Squarespace, all those other uh, hosted platforms that have e-commerce solutions. And so uh, it is the most used e-commerce tool in the world. And I think, I, I didn't look up the recent stat, but I th at one point it was 30% of all online stores are using WooCommerce. So huge amount. It's very, very popular. Divi, since day one, has integrated with WooCommerce and uh, has some additional tools. And then since the theme builder was released, they, they came out with the... Actually, I think the WooCommerce modules came out before the theme builder. Um, and then the theme builder actually made it all come together. Um, but yeah, you can do a lot with WooCommerce using Divi. Uh, I guess to kind of get back to the definition, WooCommerce is a plugin. You don't need Divi. It'll work with any theme. Uh, but again, it's very well integrated with Divi. And WooCommerce allows you to upload products and have a checkout and a cart and run an online store. It is free software with premium extensions. Uh, you can't really do a whole lot with the free version. Typically, you're going to need at least one or two extensions. Um, or I think they actually they made Stripe and PayPal free. So maybe you can do kind of the bare minimum free. But in most cases, you're going to want to add something, some sort of functionality. And similar to the way that WordPress is free, and then there's a bunch of uh, plugins out there, free and premium. WooCommerce is the same way. It's free, and then there's additional extensions that are free and premium. The official ones are mostly paid, uh, but there's third-party add-ons as well that are, are free and paid. Did I miss anything? No, I think you've done pretty well there. And it's it's. I, I thought we'd probably start by talking about um, the, uh, the the beginning of an online store. So you get a customer or a potential client come along and they say, I, I want to sell something online. And, um, and then you start going into, if you've never done this before, if you've never put a, together a WooCommerce store before, then, well, hopefully tonight we'll take you through some of the things that we've done and what you need and what you need to think about. Um, I think it always starts with hosting. Um, but one of the things that I thought we'd talk about is something called PCI DSS compliance. And for anybody that doesn't know what that is, that's Payment Card Industry, the Security Standards Council. And they make an, a number of recommendations in order to be compliant. So WooCommerce isn't actually certified as compliance. Compliance comes from doing a number of things to make your store compliant. And I don't think many people actually look into this when they start an online store. They think, you know, sometimes you'll get a customer come to you and they say, oh, can I just have a payment button for something I want to sell online? You know, it's very simple. You know, the classic, <laughs> it's, it's all very easy. It's all very simple. We could just put a payment button on my site and then you need to have a think about um, what you're doing um, and what that could potentially mean to them and give them the, the, the right advice. So um, the PCI DCS com compliance starts off by talking about choosing a trusted, secure hosting provider. And we all have our go-to hosting providers, the people that we've learned to trust and, and learned to use. So Sarah, Tim, what, you know, has that been your experience? Have you always just said, look, if I'm going to do a WooCommerce store, I'm going to go and head down a certain hosting provider line or I'm or I do my own hosting what what do you do first and do you think about this compliance when you put your sites together I, I've actually never thought about 
the hosting from the compliance standpoint, and I'll tell you why in a second. However, okay. to answer your question for e-commerce sites, I've always highly encouraged uh, or forced clients to use a premium host because of just the resource standpoint. An e-commerce site, when you're having transactions, uh, that's non-cacheable content. And so like, for example, your homepage and your about page, that can all be cash. That doesn't use a lot of resources. But when you are doing an actual transaction on the checkout, that can't be cached, right? So it's hidden in the database every time. And so the, by definition, an e-commerce site's using more uh, server resources and you're going to want a yeah. faster site. Plus, if you're, you're collecting payments and running a business, you want a fast site regardless of, you know, whether or not you're hitting resource limits and stuff like that. But really, really quick, uh, regarding PCI, I was under the impression that PCI didn't really come into play unless you're actually storing credit card data. So for example, with like Stripe and PayPal, it's passing through to their servers. On my online store, I'm not actually collecting or saving any data at all. Um, so I've always kind of told clients that you don't have to worry about PCI compliance. Have I been leading <laughs> the tray? <laughs> That's the question. So yeah, yes, I, yes. <laughs> I think I think it's it's a recommendation. It's um, it's it's looking to provide that um, uh, assurance to to people that um, their details are not going to be stored anywhere. I mean, it's it's. I mean, my mum and dad, when I used to talk to them about buying anything online, oh, I'm not going to do that. You know, it's, it's <laughs> you know, I use the checkbook. Thanks very much. You know, <laughs> and, right, right, uh, yeah. and they were frightened of, 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 of going online and, and, and submitting their details. So the first thing everybody looks for, of course, is the lock, is the secure, you know, am I, am I in a secure place here? And this is one of the things that's in the seven things I've got listed down here. Uh, with the aid of your hosting provider, implement SSL to keep your checkout secure. So it's one of the things that's part of the overall compliance. So it's probably a lot of, thi a lot of the things we're going to discuss are things that you tend to do naturally anyway. So you're not going to put a store online that hasn't got a, an SSL certificate. And Having said but, that, there's SSL yeah. certificates and then there's SSL certificates. And yeah. I think it's <laughs> one of those things where, yeah. like, you it. It's the same. I do the same thing as Tim in terms of I tell people they need quality hosting because you're going to have a resource hungry website. But having said that, I also have never done a website where we accept payment on the actual website. And the reason for that is I don't want to be responsible for it. And I explained to my client that they don't want to be responsible for that either. So I have always said to clients, you should use PayPal. <laughs> Like Stripe, yes, let's add it as an additional option. But I think for the people, you know, who are concerned about the internet, if there is PayPal available, they're going to feel far more comfortable. And even with PayPal, you've got your options with PayPal. So you've got your options to have PayPal embedded into your actual website or you've got the standard option where it just takes them off to PayPal, they make their payment and then they come back. Now, people might feel like, oh, well, that's more inconvenient. Um, sure, there might be more convenient ways. And yes, if you're trying to make conversions better, you might want to consider having something directly in your website that makes it really, really fast. But equally, if you have the option for PayPal where it takes them somewhere else, people know PayPal, they trust it. It takes them externally to PayPal. People feel really comfortable knowing they had to sign into PayPal to make their payment. It's completely separate to your website. They feel like, well, I'm not giving them any details. 
Where's this Stripe? You have to write your credit card number in. I hate it when I have to write my credit card number in, partly because I feel nervous about it, but partly because then there's no transaction history with a credit card. Like, whereas if I make a payment with PayPal or I subscribe to something with PayPal, I can go to PayPal and look at my subscriptions or I can go to PayPal and look at my previous transactions. As soon as I write my credit card, I'm reliant on the email that comes to me that tells me I made the payment or that tells me I have a subscription and the amount of Stripe subscriptions that pop up and I suddenly go, crap, I forgot I subscribed to that. That's crazy. <laughs> so that's like a total side note. But I think it's important stuff to think through because I think what it is doing is talking this compliance stuff. It's talking the security stuff. If you are accepting money, like accepting payment details on your website, inside your website, then you probably should have the really pay the paid really expensive um, SSL certificate because you need to step up your security game a whole notch. And I would say 99% of websites don't need or shouldn't be going down that track because 99% of websites don't want to have to deal with the security that's involved with having that higher level of risk on your website. So mm. my way of avoiding all of that is just by saying, Let's not accept payments on your website. Let's have a third party do that. Ideally, PayPal. Also, PayPal is a little bit better in terms of fraud stuff. I've had a lot more issues with Stripe um, in terms of people making dodgy purchases. So I always recommend PayPal. But if you want to have a second one, let's do Stripe as well. That's my personal recommendation. And that's just purely because you're then able to keep the security at a slightly lower, still good, but slightly lower level. And you don't have to worry so much about all of this other stuff quite so much. That's my take on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from, from my experience, I, I totally agree, Sarah, by the way. Um, I personally think, it, well, I guess it, it, it comes down to where your audience is. Um, so, for example, with, with my business, I'm selling globally. And so I, I do Stripe and PayPal. And... Yeah. I think like my, good. yeah, I I, th I think so because, like you said, PayPal, like people trust PayPal and they yeah. know PayPal, and, and I would say that's probably the case for most people. However, there's people that maybe they don't distrust PayPal, but they're like, well, I don't have a PayPal account, or I've never really used PayPal, yeah. and so it's like they could almost get like a little bit turned off by it. Yeah. So from my own experience, my transactions, it's almost split 50-50. It's probably a little bit more Stripe. And, and I think that's purely because that's the default payment method. Um, I could yeah. probably swap that and test for a month and kind of see if it, if it <laughs> flip flops and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think the bottom line is, is people want want options when it comes to being able to, to make a payment and stuff. And so some people would argue from like a conversion standpoint, like like eliminate choices and just give them one option. But I feel like that's the one area of your checkout where having a choice is actually going to increase conversions. Definitely. And like, this is totally a side note, right? But Stripe has lots of really great features. Like I personally accept Stripe. If I'm going to accept credit card payments from a client, I accept Stripe over PayPal because Stripe automatically transfers it into my bank account. And I don't have to go through that annoying thing of having to like, re you know like the money goes into paypal and then i have to withdraw the money from paypal paypal like gives me the craps but if i had an online store i would lean towards paypal or at least have both as an option i would never just have stripe as an option yeah. i think is what i'm trying to say it's interesting we got some comments in the chat here and uh 
uh, Richard says uh, he's a bit more a uh, bit more Stripe than uh, than PayPal. Um, I've got my own experience of Stripe and PayPal, and um, within the WooCommerce setup, and and I find that um, I've 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 lent much more towards Stripe as recommendations. Um, one of the reasons for that for the customers is that they actually save on fees. Um, so PayPal is more, yeah, it's more expensive. And actually, it's, it's interesting, Sarah, that you, you've, you've talked about uh, PayPal from that security p perspective and Stripe from, you know, entering the credit card details. And so I really, never really sort of thought of that. But what's interesting for me is that I've found more technical issues with PayPal and their um, API and the issues with PayPal than I have with Stripe. Stripe I've found to be very simple setup and much more reliable um, but that doesn't mean to say that's everyone's experience of it. And uh, Nancy's here is uh, also saying, prefer Stripe for myself, only have PayPal because some plugins only take PayPal payments. So again, it's it's whatever your experience is, whatever you, you've got used to setting up. Um, but what we're going to do is we'll, um, we were going to talk about um, uh, payment gateways a little bit later on. What I thought we'd do is just um, quickly just, come back to the PCI stuff. And actually what Sarah was saying, um, if you are going externally and you're handling everything externally, then you're using that as a um, your payment gateway, if you like, and all the details are stored there um, in terms of the credit card, the transaction and everything. So therefore you've got compliance because you're using an external, you're using externally. Um, but, so these were the, I'll just quickly run through the seven things. So secure hosting provider, use security best practices with setting passwords, limit access to your server. These are things that everybody is already probably thinking about and doing. Never store credit two card details. Authentication. Do yes, authentication. that's it, <laughs> 2FA, yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's becoming more and more. Um, and wherever we go now, whatever we bump into with our client sites, and again, I'm sure this is the same for everybody, you're thinking, oh, no, I've got to log into their server now. It's going to have two-factor authentication on it, so they're going to have to send me a code so that I can deal with um, deal with whatever their issue uh, might be, or maybe you're doing some maintenance and you need to check something. Um, implement SSL. Keep installed plugins to a minimum. This is This is from the WooCommerce site itself. And remember, compliance covers all installed software. So that includes plugins and WordPress itself. So this is also about keeping it up to date. That's another thing they're saying. Keep these things up to date. Um, working with your payment processor um, and used approved scanning vendor to scan your site and find issues and fix any identified issues until they pass the scan. So, again, a lot of these things people are doing already, but it's interesting just to see. Um, what it's they're, a pretty what standard set of things. Like they are. In general, they're basically saying just secure your website, have best practices, make sure that, you know, you're not loading your website up unnecessarily with plugins. Like it's all yeah. pretty – I think every website probably needs to follow that list, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And just uh, finally from Lisa, uh, PayPal is a nightmare to set up for the clients I found. Stripe yeah. is easier for me to guide them through. Maybe I'm missing something. And it's just, No, I definitely again. agree with that. And um, particularly the, um, what's it called? The sandbox. The sandbox yes. in Stripe yes. 
is flawless. It is. It's so it simple. Is. <laughs> and every time I do the PayPal sandbox, like it just is a nightmare. And also in terms of PayPal, there are bits and pieces where you do need to actually properly set it up further in. And it's one of those things with the two-factor authentication that it's a pain in the butt. So often I will set it up for my client because it's too hard for my clients. So I'll get them to log me in. But you have to do everything the very first time because as soon as you want to go into the bit where you need to get all the proper settings in the admin, it's like further inside um, PayPal, you have to do the password again. And you have to do two-factor again. And so you have to make sure you get all of that stuff the first time you log in because otherwise you have to go through that process of getting it all from your client again, which is a pain in the butt. Whereas Stripe, you do the two-factor the first time, but then as long as your cache is still running in your um, browser, you'll be fine and you can kind of keep logging in. Um, So, yeah, I would definitely agree Stripe is 100% easier, way more flawless process and doing the sandbox Sandbox, for those who don't know, is where you can do test payments. It's very helpful. It's so that you don't have to give yourself 99% discounts um, so that you can actually (laughs) test the payments. So with PayPal, often I'll give myself a 99.9% discount so that I'm making a $0.02 payment or whatever, just purely because the sandbox is so painful to work with on occasions. Sometimes it's fine, but on occasions it's really painful. And so my recommendation is that it is much easier with Stripe, but you do need to consider all the factors. And I still feel like PayPal, for most shops, you should at least have it as an option, even like if you're only going to have one option, I, I personally think people trust PayPal more than they do Stripe, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Could be yeah. Wrong. yeah. And I mean, a lot of times too, it's, it's for like the end user, like we know Stripe as as people that are building websites, but a lot of times the end user, they don't know Stripe. They just see it as, oh, I'm entering my credit card to a website Into I maybe website. just found. Yeah, or I could go to PayPal and they're gonna process it. And so it's just kind of a trust thing because um, yeah. I can't remember, I might I might say on my my checkout page, like credit card and then in parentheses, in parentheses Stripe. I probably wouldn't do that if I was selling to other people, but since I'm, my products are Divi products made yeah. for people, people that are building websites. People know Stripe, so that like actually carries some weight. And so, but yeah, I, I agree. From a setup process, Stripe is way easier. It's way more cool. modern. The the dashboard <laughs> and tools, the APIs are way better. PayPal, they've been around so long, and it shows. And I don't mean yeah. that in a good way. <laughs> like they're. Uh, their tools and their design is outdated. I, I, they made some updates the last couple of years, but there's like, you'll randomly come across a page where you're like, whoa, that's from like 15, 20 years ago. Like, how have they not updated that yet? Yes, yes. And also, when you are setting, I know we shouldn't be getting into all this stuff, but when you do set up um, PayPal, it is really important that you add that thing. So it, I don't know the term, I should have looked this up beforehand, but there's a really important URL that you have to add. Just follow the proper documentation when you do it, but there's a proper URL that you add, which is it a hook back? No, it's a link back, it's a something back. Yes. Um, that then means after they make the payment, it takes them back to your website. It's a really yep. important process. It doesn't seem like a really big thing, but what it does is it makes you look really unprofessional. And it means that sometimes clients don't, end up back at your website and it doesn't finish the process until they click the button that sends them back to the website. So just yep. make sure you 
it's that thing of like the setup is more intricate and you have to follow all of the documentation. But inside WooCommerce, almost everything has that little question mark and it will give you the information that helps you know what thing you're meant to put in each of the different sections. So take your time. It will take a long, long time to set it up. Yeah. But yeah. I, we've also got um, with Stripe the ability to add Apple Pay and Android Pay. Mm -hmm. And um, easy, very easy to, uh, and again, it's a really easy and simple implementation of that. One of the things you have to be careful of is where in the chain that you add Apple Pay and Android Pay. Um, and uh, Danny Green's just uh, asked us a question. Oh, I've just clicked on Nancy. Excuse me. Sorry, Nancy. Um, and that's Miro. We see I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> it's Danny. <laughs> um, uh, Danny says, I actually get cranky if stores don't have Apple Pay now. And, and probably um, I wasn't thinking about that. Like that is definitely a way forward. And the advantage when it offers you Apple Pay is it's that same thing as PayPal always used to have. So that feeling is what I mean. So you come across it, you see PayPal, you go, great, they've got PayPal. I trust that, go. That's the yeah. same thing. When I see Apple Pay, yeah. I do, I feel the same thing because I go, great. I don't have to give them any information. I just have to give my phone my face and we're off and away. So I had forgotten that. I definitely had forgotten that when I was saying that. I, w I yeah. didn't realise it had Android Pay. I knew it had Apple Pay. Yes, um, it it, de it depends on the uh, obviously on your on what you're logging in as, uh, what you're doing your transaction as. You obviously you're on an Android phone. It's going to appear. Uh, yeah. You'll see it on Chrome as well, um, and obviously you see it on Safari if you're um, either on a, a browser or on on a phone. Um, but what I've what my experience of it is that um, when I first started looking at it, it, it allows you to actually make a payment directly from a product. So with with a, a customer's website that we were on, we were like, well, do you do you want them to check out now or do you want them to go and do a little bit more shopping? <laughs> so um, there is yeah, some code that you can get that you can add um, either through uh, your child theme. If you've got it set up through your functions.php file or you can add it through a plugin um, and just it'll, it'll hide um, that trans uh, that button um, until you want it to appear wherever you want it to appear. If you want them to go all the way through to the checkout, then there's that option as well. Yeah, I remember when uh, they first, it was a couple of years ago. So I, I'm actually not on WooCommerce on my, my DiviLife.com store. I use easy digital what? downloads, but I originally <gasps> was on WooCommerce. And I can't remember if this was uh before i switched or not but it was either on edd or woo when they first added the ability to have apple pay a couple of years ago it was what you described mike where it was only on the product pages and you would hit it and so it skipped the whole kind of like account creation process and it was like yeah. oh well they just skipped multiple steps now they'd have to open a support ticket to like be able to get back into their account and yeah. so I just, I was like, no, I'm, so I turned it off right away. But yeah, if you can have control over where it appears in that checkout flow, then it's a lot better. Yeah. And uh, Kyle uh, in the chat is, is just saying, so you recommend using both Stripe and PayPal to give customers an option or pick one, cough, cough, Stripe, cough, cough, and run with it. <laughs> Um, I, I feel used... like I'm changing my mind as I'm going now that we're chatting because I've forgotten <laughs> about the Apple Pay. It, honestly, it's been a little while since I've set up WooCommerce in a in a website. Um, but I feel like I'm changing my mind because Apple Pay and Android Pay are really ramping up and I had forgotten that 
portion of it that that's coming. So I might be yeah. changing my mind. I do think you should offer both if you are a substantial store though. Like yeah. my personal recommendation would be have both because you want to give people options and not everybody has a smartphone yet. And people who are newer to the internet are probably more likely to be trusting PayPal. Like my parents wouldn't pay for anything that wasn't PayPal. And they, in fact, they don't even have their credit card connected to their PayPal. They transfer money into their PayPal account when they want to purchase something with PayPal. Like they're new to it. They're scared of it. I think that you should always, if you're wanting to get the most amount of people purchasing from you, you should give the most amount of options for the payment. So if you can't do that, just pick one. Like that's fine. But yeah, yeah, I had... Okay, so that's payment yeah, gateways, unless you've got anything else, Tim. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just going to say I completely agree. I, I think you should definitely have options on there. Um, I do, and it's always worked out well. Uh, some people yep. prefer one, some people prefer the other. Rather than trying to decide for them, give them the flexibility to, to choose. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So just talking about the basic WooCommerce installation. So... Anybody that's not installed WooCommerce before, you know, you go through um, a wizard. It takes you through a wizard. And during that wizard, you get the opportunity to add the significant pages that are going to be added to your installation, which is like your My Account page, your cart, your checkout, um, and um, your shop page. Um and that's the beginning of, of, of setting all that up. You set up a store address. It's important to set up your store address. Don't skip through the installation and just go click, click, next, next, finished, I've done it, because you'll go back afterwards and you'll realize, for example, that you've missed an important step and you need to do that, especially when you're doing it on behalf of clients as well. Um, but then you've got your vanilla WooCommerce installation, your setup. Um, and then you've got a number of different uh, things that you can do just within that installation. So before you start adding, start adding ext extensions, buying, going off and buying things all over the place because you think, oh, I haven't got this. Go and have a look at each and every tab within WooCommerce and ask yourself the question, do I know what this what this does? Um, do I know about shipping? Do I know about shipping zones and uh and how important all of those are if you're going to be selling, selling internationally or selling nationally and how you're going to set those up. This is one of those things that you do need to go and read the manual. <laughs> and it's really easy just to go go bowling in and going, OK, I've, um, right, what do I need? I'll set my payment gateway up. I've done a product and let's go and do some testing. And then you realize that perhaps you haven't looked at the products themselves. So just with um, the actual installation as well. Um, WooCommerce has some default things. It has like a marketing section now. It has a separate coupon section under that um, where you can add coupons and you have a separate reporting section as well. So these are the things you're going to see with the latest versions of WooCommerce. And what's happened in the uh, WooCommerce used to just be WooCommerce and then a number of things under that menu, but it's it's broken it down now into separate areas. So Mike's Mike's experience of WooCommerce in terms of reporting, because people love to report, once they've started selling things, they love to report, is that customers will get on their site and as their orders start rolling in, they're running loads of reports on their website, 
and that's when things can also start going going a little bit awry and a little bit wrong so um WooCommerce has some really good videos. So when I mm. first started doing um, WooCommerce, the first website that I ever did, I just gave myself loads of time, like loads and loads of time to do the setup. And I literally just had two screens up. I had my screen and I had the WooCommerce website screen and I just watched the videos and I literally yeah. just like watched, paused, did the thing. Yeah, it's watched, really good advice. Paused, did the thing, watched, yep. paused. And it took me forever, like absolutely forever. But when I was first doing it, I was really worried that I wasn't going to get it right and I wanted to make sure I understood how it all functioned. And it was the best thing I could have ever done because then the next time I came along, I all I needed to do was look at, like you say, look at every tab and I understood what all the things were. So I would recommend, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of really good YouTube videos out there. The downside with just general YouTube videos is that WooCommerce has evolved and has changed and you need to make sure it's an updated version. Um, so I would start with the actual WooCommerce videos to start with. And then if they've got some gaps, go and look for some other YouTube videos that might help you out. Um, but that, like, I, I don't... I think you need to slow right down. When it comes to WooCommerce, don't just assume it's going to be like adding some other plugin. It is going to be a long process and it is really important to get it right. And videos from Woo are probably the best way that you go about it, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it starts, there's some built-in customization in Woo as well that you perhaps don't realize that's there. So, you know, when you go to um, appearance and customize, um, you usually go in there to set some perhaps some global settings within your um, WordPress website. You'll find that there's um, some customization for Woo as well, which also includes things like a toolbar. But it's a very basic toolbar and it will just sit there at the bottom of your site. Whereas if you want a decent toolbar um, that's got some, you know, scheduling in it, uh, adding some bits and pieces, then where would they go, Tim? DiviLife.com, Divi Bars. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like, I think I know where he's going with this. <laughs> but this is this is the thing. It's it's because um, then you're linking. You can add links within there. You can add links to your shop, and this is where you start to extend your uh, website. And you use you do it using Divi as well. So you're you're starting to think about you know driving people in certain direction on their customer journey. So we've got we've gone through our wizard. We've added. Our, our, our addresses in and then of course is that creating products and the different types of products that you can create um, whether you create a simple product or what we call a variable product so um, a variable product can be uh, anything that's got like a different different colors different sizes and if you're going to do a website for any uh, for a client you're going to come across this where they're going to say, oh, I only want five products, but then you don't realize that there's a whole <laughs> ton of variations. variations. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so you've created your cost based on that. And you'll say, oh, I've only got five products to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then they hand you the list. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, and that, and what, I think what's... they don't Sorry, understand Sarah. that, right? Yeah. And you need yeah. to understand how variations work. So before you go and quote a WooCommerce website, it would be worth understanding because basically anytime you create a variation in WooCommerce, you're essentially creating a whole new product. So every time, like say you've got different sizes of things, so T-shirts, so you've got like six different sizes and then you've got six different colors. It's not just like six products. 
it's like one of every variation. So you've got X, extra small in blue, um, small in blue, medium in blue, all of the blue. So you've got six just for blue and then you've got six for red and then you've got six for pink. And, you know, so you've got all these different products and you need to ask yourself the question, it's fine. If they all cost the same, it's not a big deal. Like if, if no matter the variation, the end result is the same, it's not such a big deal. But you need to understand that, right? Because if, say, instead of that, you're selling something that comes by weight and therefore the lightest weight, um, say it's like um, a food, so you're selling broccoli and you sell like, and a small amount of broccoli is going to be cost like 50 cents, but like two kilos of broccoli is going to cost you like $5. Well, then so you have broccoli. to actually individually do every single variation because every variation has a different price and potentially every variation has different shipping. And all of a sudden the workload for every single variation becomes like a very complex individual product. So I think even taking a step further back from this, understanding how all this works and shipping, for example, you need to understand all of that. And then you need to ask your client the hard question before you even quote. And often the clients have no idea. Like they just say, I've just got five products, whatever. Like I just want to ship it. It'll be fine. But they don't understand like, okay, so when you say you want to ship it, like, is it going by weight? Is it how many products they purchase? Is it just the flat rate? Is it once they get to like $75, it's free shipping? Is that only to certain states within your country? Do you only sell to your country? Do you sell to other countries? Like there are so many questions that you need to understand what the options are before you ask your client the question. And then they often don't know. And so then they have to go do some thinking, but then they might come back to you and give you some random thing like, yeah, but if they purchase three products and it happens to include this one product, then I want to offer this shipping thing. You need to understand enough to be able to go, yeah, I can do that, but that's going to be like a whole extra cost. And I think woo is one of those things where you can accidentally get yourself into the situation where you have five products, inverted commas, which is actually 500 products, and each of them has different shipping and they want this special shipping thing where when one thing's in the cart, then it gets some special shipping bonus. And all of a sudden you are going to be spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours on those products. Yeah, It can happen so easily. And your client just thinks they're asking like the smallest little thing. Like they don't realise at all that is hundreds of hours to incorporate whatever that little thing is that they're thinking about. And you've become, you've become from this simple store to a very complex installation very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, I thought, uh, again, Carl's comments here. Uh, oh, my God, yes, my catalog client sells nuts and bolts. There are like 30 variations per product. And I think as you become more experienced with, with WooCommerce and dealing with stores, you'll get a hint as soon as you somebody rings you up and say, oh, I've got a, 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 a store that's selling fence products or I've got a store that's selling um, paintings or things like that, that, you'll get a feeling. So if you're going to be dealing with someone in the art yeah. world then you'll, and they're going to be selling, selling, sending abroad, then you need to think about dimensions and weight and all of those things needed to be added in because then you need to make sure that those classes are adding in shipping details. And, and so that when somebody's going through that process and going through that checkout, that the client doesn't suddenly end up with this um, huge bill for shipping that hasn't been added 
because you haven't added in the store. So and depending Sarah's... on what they're selling, it might be built into WooCommerce. So WooCommerce mm. has built in out of the box, really simple shipping. So you can do shipping zones and you can yep. do like weights and you can do some things. But as soon as it gets slightly more complex, like when I add three things to the cart or when this particular thing is added, blah, 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 or when it hits this weight limit, then blah, blah, blah. Same with variations. WooCommerce can do a certain amount of variations really well. Like it can do um, some things, but then it can't like add a color option. So you, you have to have the, the drop down, for example. Yeah, the swatches. So as soon as you want to do some of that stuff, there's no problems. Yes, you can do it. And WooCommerce, we'll probably come to it later. WooCommerce has a huge array of third-party options that you can work with. However, it's not built in. And so you need to work out, is what they're asking me already built into WooCommerce? And on your first job, you're not going to know that realistically. And you might have to just add a whole lot of buffer room into your pricing. But once you've done a few, you'll know, okay, well, this is already in Woo. I don't need to add any third-party plugins. I can just do this out of the box. But I would say nine and a half times out of 10, you cannot do everything you need to with a WooCommerce store out of the box. Do you guys reckon? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree because I think what you end up with is a situation where there is going to be something else they need. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I've set any any website up without an additional plugin that's like got WooCommerce on it. I would say yeah. coupons and shipping out of the box, they are dropping the ball. Like yeah. what they have is inadequate 99% of the time in coupons and shipping. I would say even yeah. just those two, like even before you try and get fancy, coupons and shipping, it, they can do real basic, but unless you want real basic, you're kind of stuffed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's why there's so many woocommerce extensions is not only is kind of the bare bones core woocommerce basic like you said sarah but there's so many different things that you can do because there's obviously so many different types of stores out there and so from like uh like a marketing perspective you kind of touched on it like okay well when this happens and this happens okay automatically add this discount right so it's like there's so many different unique things you can do on your online store, whether that's like from the front end, what the customer sees, or from the back end when it comes to like order fulfillment and stuff like that. And so that's why e-commerce websites are so complicated and why as web designers and developers, we need to make sure that we're charging enough because that's like the, the most common type of website to like completely undervalue yourself is e-commerce. Oh, like David and I used to joke uh, with our, in our course, we would say uh, whatever you think your e-commerce website should cost, double it and then double it again. <laughs> and like, that's an exaggeration, but in some cases it might be true because it's so vastly different from a brochure style website when you're just creating static content. So yeah. yeah. And we, everyone we've is done. different. Like even if yeah. you have created five different WooCommerce sites and you come to the sixth one, I bet you it won't be the same as any of the five you've already done because everyone's needs are different. And we haven't even talked about it, but WooCommerce isn't even just for shops. Like it's not like we just did WooCommerce for like an event website. So they were booking like workshops and instead of now that Divi's like allowing you to do so much with it. And um, last week, Nick talked about the future of what's coming with WooCommerce, which is really exciting. But the fact that 
um, you can basically customize what the the product page is looking like. It doesn't have to be a product anymore. It can be almost anything. So working with Woo now, it's very rare that you're ever going to recreate something you've done before and you're probably going to have to build in things you've never built in before. So everyone is going to be different and it's probably going to take you time to figure out what you're doing. And that costs money to the client, more money than we usually quote for. Yeah, exactly. I would just say, just as um, uh, Kyle's uh, asked another question in here, and he says, oh, but the add-ons come from WooCommerce extensions, not third-party plugins. There are lots of third-party plugins out there that are excellent for, for WooCommerce but you have to go through the pain barrier of working out which ones are right for your customer. <laughs> um, I've got I've got one that I particularly like by uh, Flycart called Woo Discount Rules. Um, that's worked very well with um, my. That's got a free version and it's got a professional uh, version, um, and it just gives you so many different options of. Um, different things that customers can do like um, three for two, um, you know, buy one, get this particular product free. Um, and it just does it really nice and simple, nice and easy. The rules are really easy to set up. So that's a particular sort of favorite of mine that I've, that I've added to a website because again, people are trying to spice up their sites as well and give people certain um, freebies you know you can do freebies with coupons and things like that but then you're asking the customers to do something else so you're saying you know use this use this coupon code and get 10% off at the at the checkout and people are used to that but then you're giving them something to do we live in a world now where people want to check out as quickly as possible which is why apple pay exists why android pay exists is you know giving people that option to get in and get out and a lot of our a lot of people are trying to achieve that, achieve this throughput, especially when they get to Black Friday and things like that, when there's a lot of people visiting the site, knowing that, you know, will I be able to get what I want? Is it going to be too busy and stuff like that? So um, always have a look at the extension. Uh, there are even the ones that are, are on the WooCommerce store, they're not necessarily built by Automatic. They might be built by Skyverge or other companies, but they're being sold via um via the uh, WooCommerce store. I think it's important to think about where you're getting your plugins from and from Hmm. the perspective of how's it going to go when updates come. So it's not even so much about like the functionality. So you can buy plugins from the WooCommerce store Hmm. or you can buy plugins from CoCanyon or you can get it from other random websites, obviously. Um, But say you get one from CoCanyon that does something exactly the same as one that you get from WooCommerce, like you're going to pay way less on CoCanyon. Okay, great. You paid way less. Wahoo. Good for you. On the WooCommerce website, you're going to pay an annual subscription. I think what you need to do is ask yourself the question, how important is this website? Like, does it matter to me if it breaks? (laughs) Because that's a really important question. Or does it matter to me if this website gets hacked? Or does it matter if it's a pain in the butt to update? Those things are really important questions. And sometimes those are worth $99 a year. And so instead going with the one on the WooCommerce website, I'm not saying it's always the answer. It's definitely not. I use ones from CoCanyon regularly. There are some that I love. And maybe we can do a whole episode on third-party plugins for WooCommerce at some point because there's heaps and they're great. 
Yep. But what you do need to keep in mind is, does that company update them? Do they keep them regularly updated? It's more important than any other plugin that a third-party WooCommerce plugin is kept updated regularly. Because as soon as WooCommerce comes out with an update, you have to ask yourself your question, can I update WooCommerce? What happens if a security update comes out for WooCommerce? Which it does regularly. Okay, now I have to update. But I can't update because I used all these third-party plugins from CoCanyon that aren't updated. So I can't update WooCommerce because it's going to break all of these third-party plugins. The advantage with going through actual WooCommerce is they have to update their plugins because they're listed on the WooCommerce website. So therefore, often those ones, when you go to do the update, they will be updated first and they're available and they're ready to go and then you can update WooCommerce and everything just works flawlessly. Yes, it will cost you more money, but the question is what type of website is this? Is this like a really simple, it's really just two products, it doesn't actually matter. Yes, there's some third-party plugins, but it's not really that big of a deal if we wait for an update or, you know, it's not crazy. But if you have a website that has high demand where there are constant transactions going through it, it's a high risk of getting hacked, you probably want to pay the money for the really good plugins that are going to be kept updated that when you go to update WooCommerce, your site doesn't break. Like the amount of times I go to update a WooCommerce website and it says, yeah, but you haven't updated these other plugins yet. So you can't update WooCommerce. And then you have to make the call. Well, what do I do? Like, do I wait or do I update it? Like (laughs) either way you're tossing a coin And that's a really big decision. So I think people frivolously put on third-party plugins all the time, and that's fine. But you do need to be knowing you are making a decision about your future. Same as if you get a bunch of code to put into your function file. There's no problems with that. There is some great code around there. um, And I highly recommend looking for really good quality ones when you do it. But again, you are risking that when an update comes you may need to modify that code. And are you ready to do that? Are you willing and ready to understand the code that you put in there? Because say you customize the email that goes out, you're going to have to re-customize that email every time there's a major update to Woo. Like that's a big choice that you are making when you're building the site. Um, So those are things um, to be thinking about. Yeah, so uh, Danny's uh, good point here. The cost of all those extra plugins and add-ons do add up quickly. They do. Um, And this is the thing. When you're going to quote for a a WooCommerce site and you're looking at and you've you've gathered the information, you've got everything together from the customer, you're then at that point where you're saying, well, I know I'm going to need these plugins, so I'm going to, you know, make sure they understand the total cost of ownership per, per year for this cut for the for this website the woocommerce side yeah that's you know your basic side is free but you've got to think about you know their their costs um they need to understand their 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 costs to the payment providers uh they need to understand their costs uh per year for the plugins to keep them updated and not let them uh, lapse because then as soon as they let them lapse we're into this territory of they let it lapse four or five months, we all know how quickly the cycle of WordPress and WooCommerce changes and how quickly it changes. You're then going to go from a version, um, a step version potentially in the future. Are you going to actually going to upgrade their site for them? You may then want to charge them because you're thinking, well, actually, I don't know if this is even going to upgrade well, well enough. So it's them understanding what they're getting themselves into when they're going online 
uh, become and having an online store and they then you've got not realized like yeah they may have asked for some fancy feature and you go yeah sure i can do it but it is going to involve adding this plugin and that plugin is going to cost 49 dollars a year like yeah. are you happy to do that and then they're like oh oh i didn't i didn't actually really need that functionality like <laughs> Yeah. Or they might be like, yes, absolutely. Like this feature is worth $49 a year. So absolutely yeah. happy to go with yeah. that. Um, that's their yeah. choice. One, one thing I do want to say about costs and while add-ons, plugins add up quickly, whether it's a WooCommerce site or not, um, but especially so with WooCommerce extensions, um, even though that is true, it's still a very, very small fraction of developing that functionality on your own. So if, if you're oh, a coder, yeah. you would know all the time that would go into that. Or if you're not, it would be outsourcing to a developer that can build, let's say, for example, uh, WooCommerce subscriptions. It's one of the most popular WooCommerce extensions out there. In order to add subscription functionality that integrates with uh, the payment gateway and stores the subscription properly and automatically will charge the customer on the proper day and send the proper uh, email receipts and all of that, like, that's a lot of functionality there. Like you would be spending tens of thousands of dollars to develop that from scratch. And yes, you might have to pay, I forget however much it is, hundred bucks a year or whatever, uh, depending on how many sites and stuff. Like it's still a really good deal compared to having to, to develop that updated, yourself. Right. So yeah, every true. time exactly. we're always a shocker for every time they do a major update, like it kills so much stuff. It like they must <laughs> change their hooks all the time. I don't really know. I like that's yeah. beyond me. But what I do know is I did have a website where at the time there weren't the third party plugins that there are now. And we had to do a whole bunch of custom stuff ourselves, which was fine. And I paid someone to help me do it. And that was fine. But then when the updates came, it was a nightmare. So you're not just paying someone for the product, which is where the Code Canyon versus the WooCommerce stuff comes in. Because if you pay it from Code Canyon and that person decides I've had enough, like I'm out, then you have to rebuild that thing with another plugin. Whereas if you go with one of the ones where there's some sort of subscription, yes, it's annual, but what you're paying for is continued support and continued updates. And that's yeah. got a lot of value. Like someone was saying in the chat that the support that comes through the third-party plugins from WooCommerce themselves is really good. And it is. Like that, it's a bit like they have to reply to you. So they like because they're on that website, they are required to actually give you proper support. That's part of what you're paying for is compared to I don't know how many people have put in tickets with Code Canyon. But there are times yeah. you do not ever get a response. Um, so yeah. you, it, it may be a risk you weigh up. And like I said, I use plenty of Code Canyon ones. I'm not against it, but you you are making a choice at that time. Yeah. Okay, so we've we've kind of um, gone through the, the a lot of the basics here in term, and and talked about plugins and payment gateways. One of the other things we we touched on was shipping, but we um, part of that is um, setting a default location and perhaps using geolocation um, and setting that up within WooCommerce as well so that your store has a base. And WooCommerce allows you to use the shop address, it allows you to use geolocation, and then there's geolocation with caching. So it's another aspect of this. And if you go all the way to the uh, end of the tab, uh, enter the tabs in WooCommerce, you'll see an area that asks you to set up a MaxMind database. 
and that is where your geo your geolocation uh, part comes in and it's something to just be aware of when you're setting up uh, WooCommerce. Um, it's quite easy to go and set up. There's lots of tutorials online about setting up the MaxMind database. Um, again, I've done it on a number of customer sites. If you're going to be using any kind of um, different kind of shipping um, and shipping out, you know, shipping physical product, then you really do need to have um, geolocation set up. So, um, we are getting near the top of the hour, and uh, look how quickly that went today. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, we've uh, we've got a number of uh, a number of uh, people in the chat and the comments all talking to them. We guys, we've had so many um, questions uh, from you this evening. Um, if you'd like to, um, uh, you know, continue to um, give us ideas of things you want to talk about in relation to WooCommerce, we're more than happy to uh, look at those for you. Um, so let's just start talking about sort of final thoughts when we're, we're thinking about um, WooCommerce, installing it, things we need to be thinking about and how we would advise anybody coming in, never having installed WooCommerce before. What would you what would you advise them to do? I can go first. So go we kind of touched on it, but um, talking to your client ahead of time and asking lots of questions of not just how many products, but are there variations and get a really, really good understanding of their business and how they foresee the website, the online store to be. Because the more info you get up front, the happier everyone's going to be. And then my second piece of advice is plan. Don't just jump in and start building, plan things out, you know, write it out, kind of write out the steps of what you plan on doing. Um, a big part of e-commerce is kind of the backend configuration of the store, of the products, of the variations, all that. But then there's also the, the side that we really didn't touch on today at all. And that's the, the front end design side, like creating those product templates and creating, you know, customizing your checkout and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, make sure you kind of have a good plan going into it of what you want to do uh, rather than doing what I used to do when I was brand new at building website, which was just kind of winging it. <laughs> you know, it, it sounds fun, but uh, it, it you end up like redoing a lot of stuff that if you yeah. were to plan out better, uh, you wouldn't have to redo. That's great. Good advice. Sarah? Um, oh, I want to touch on something we haven't touched on, so it's not a final thought. But Go on then. Um, what I want to touch on is what I kind of brought up, but I thought we'd come back to was Divi's functionality. So like Divi now has the functionality that allows us to um, customize the actual product pages. So back in the day, and I have used it before, I had to get a third party plugin that would allow me to kind of make a layout that then I could put inside. And it was this whole kind of ordeal. And you had to work with one of the layouts they gave you and, it's, it was better than Woo out of the box, but it still wasn't great. Uh, Divi has come a long way with, with WooCommerce and now you can customize the actual product pages. And I think that they can look really beautiful now. And the idea, a bit like what Tim was talking about, but like thinking through, okay, well, out of the box, this is what Woo looks like. It's fine. But what do I want it to look like? Where would it make sense to have the button? And where does it make sense to, you know, like actually thinking through as a person who wants to purchase this product um, and then thinking about, okay, well, you can now make a whole sales page. Like it doesn't even have to be um, a product page. It can be like 
a, a, like a string of products within one page now. So you've got all of this functionality that's built in. And what Nick said is coming is the fact that we'll then be able to customize the checkouts and the carts. That stuff is going to make a huge difference. So like what that gave for me was a lot of hope that what Divi is doing is building stuff in that means we need to use less and less third-party plugins. Like, yes, you're still going to need to use it for you check for your um, coupons and your shipping, like that stuff's built into Woo. There's nothing you can do about that. But the visual side of it, I think it's worth playing with Divi's functionality because even if you didn't customize it much, even if it still kind of looked like what Woo looks like out of the box, you've got so much more ability now, even if it's just that you want everything in the same position, but you want to really customize the fonts um, or the colors or, you know, that kind of thing. I think... Divi has come a really, really long way and it's exciting where it's up to and it's going to be even more exciting where it's coming. Yeah. Going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we know what you meant. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that you need to build into your pricing as well because many people forget that one of the things that you're going to be adding, um, you've, you've added these new pages. So you've, you've installed WooCommerce, you're adding the new pages. Those pages will need some styling they will need some you know maybe maybe your client doesn't like the out of the box styling and actually you could do something imaginative and you can offer that imagination and say look we've got this really great layout that we've come up with for your product page for example um, actually a nicer layout for your basket page which it can it can include some other bits and pieces to entice them into buying something else um, and then there's the My Account page as well. So you might have your customers that are logging in and you might want to add something uh, a little bit different to your My Account page as well. Don't forget any of those my pages. My Account page used to be really annoying and it used to yes. give me the craps. And then he customized it and it was so much better. And I was <laughs> so excited because as a user, it like was easier to use and I loved it. Yeah. So it's yeah. one of those things we don't think about a lot, but as a user... The My Account page is probably the most overlooked part of a WooCommerce yeah. or e-commerce or membership or any of those kind of pages. If you've ever used a membership of just about anything, that page, just getting to it, I think making it easy for someone to get to and then making it really easy for them to work out if they've purchased products, where do they find the code? Where do they find the downloads? Where do they find the documentation? And where do they find the... Um, did I say downloads? There's one you more. did say downloads, yeah. There's, there's one more thing that I always go looking for and everyone does it differently. Like an out of the box, it's terrible. So just making sure you make it really obvious for people, okay, they purchased this thing, but now they need to work out how, oh, support. How do they find support if they can't use it? I think those things will make your users much, much more happy with actually using the website and in turn, you're not going to have your client then coming to you saying, my users can't find whatever it is. So don't overlook yeah. that page. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, we have hit uh, our overtime uh, now. So um, thank you for uh, for anyone that's tuned in tonight. And, uh, and if you're listening on the podcast afterwards, then uh, I hope it's been uh, useful for you um, as we go forward. Um Next week, we'll be back uh, with, a, with another great topic, another great subject. If you want to uh, head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash Divi chat, that would be great and give us a, 
give us a, uh, your rating and your like. That would be absolutely amazing. And we will see you all here back next week for another episode of Dip Chat. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.